You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. With over 1.5 million downloads, this is the place to be for all your short-term rental knowledge as part of the Vacation Rental Formula Business School. And this week is our biggest sale of the year, where we are featuring buy one, get one free bundles on all our courses. Get your hands on the short-term rental starter kit, the book direct marketing kit from our marketing expert, Jody Bourne, or scale to success, the property manager's ticket to rapid growth. Hurry now and grab these deals before they're gone and get on your path to vacation rental success. Click the link in the description of this episode for more information. Without further delay, let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. It's the Vacation Rental Women's Summit next week, and we're all excited about attending one of the most innovative conferences in the industry calendar. As a lead up to it, I'm speaking to Margot Schmorak, the co-founder and CEO of Hostfully, to talk about mentoring, support, life balance and the challenges and opportunities for women in our business. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I'm super delighted to be back with you once again. Do you remember that song that starts, Hello Mother, Hello Father, Here Am I? at Camp Granada? And it goes through and at the end of this, about how awful it is, and at the end, that the last verse, it says, wait a minute, it stopped raining. Guys are swimming. Guys are sailing. And that's exactly what I thought the other day after days and days of rain and high winds and being stuck in our tin can for long periods of time. And then the sun came out and the sky went to blue. And I found myself singing that song. You are very fortunate that I didn't inflict me singing that song on you. And I just spoke the words, but you know where I'm coming from on this one. So anyway, that's my little touch on the weather for today. I want to talk about women in business. And I want to kick off with this with a very personal story. You know, my mum was a teenager at the outbreak of World War II. She married a Canadian aviator. Then as a war bride of 19 years old and with a toddler, she crossed the Atlantic and into another world. Her story's captivating, it's inspiring. One day, I really want to make it into a novel because she was a woman before her time. She was brave, she was fearless, she was uncompromising. And when she and my dad came back to England in the early 1950s, he remained in the military for another 25 years. So she led the life of of an officer's wife. And women at that time were not expected to work. In fact, it was really frowned upon if they did go out and get a job. But it didn't stop my mum. She got her first job as soon as I was in junior school. And she'd always followed the principle of fake it till you make it. And her first job was as an office manager when she had no experience in the workforce whatsoever. But as she said, she said, you know, she said, your dad has been away for six months, eight months at a time on deployment. And she said, so I've had to run the house. I've had to do the accounts. I've had to fix stuff. I've had to deal with people. I am more than qualified of working with an, working in an office and managing other people. And she got the job. And then for a time, she was a catering manager at an airport. And she'd never worked in a restaurant, never worked in a kitchen. She was a real marvel. She inspires me to this day. And, and I love to hear stories of women who defied all odds to get to the, where they want to be. And we're going to meet a lot of these women at the Vacation Rental Women's Summit because it brings together so many amazing women in our industry. From the pioneers who have been around for decades, 
These are the ones that were running property management companies in the 1980s and maybe before. And to the young entrepreneurs who are just starting out, if you've never heard of Madison Rifkin from Mount, she's exactly one of these young entrepreneurs that we should be watching. The conference rooms are going to be full of excitement and inspiration and hope for the future for women in our industry. But the work we all do goes so much further than a two-day conference. There are so many different facets to what this business is about. Is there a career path? How do women who are seeking venture capital backing start out on this path? What are the challenges they face? So in today's episode, I'm talking to the co-founder and CEO of Hostfully, Margot Schmorak, about all these things. She's going to share her experience, not only as a woman in tech in other industries before she joined the vacation rental business, but also her experiences in mentoring and supporting other women who are growing in this and other businesses. So without further ado, let's move straight on over to my interview with Margot. So I am super happy to have with me today from Hostfully, the co-founder and CEO, Margot Schmorak. I've talked to your other co-founder, David, so many times. I do not know why we've never done this before, Margot. We had a chat, a very brief chat at Verma in Orlando and decided that it was high time you came on to have a talk with me. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I've listened to your podcast and heard your interviews with David. I love all the creative ideas you have for for talks and stuff. And so I'm, I'm just thrilled to be here chatting with you. Well, I'm looking forward to this one because it's we're sort of going away today from the ordinary, dare I say, mundane world of vacation rentals and revenue management and marketing. And we're going to be talking about something very, very different. And that's you know a little bit more about inclusiveness and diversity and welcoming women into this industry and particularly in tech roles, um, something that I really haven't covered too much before. So I'm excited about this. And as we lead into the Vacation Rental Women's Summit, this upcoming weekend. Uh, I think it's you know, high time that we, we had this discussion. But I want to kick off, Margot, with asking you to sort of share your journey with us uh, to becoming the CEO of Hostfully, because it's, you know, a little bit, you know, it's, it's a little bit unconventional, I guess, because most people who come into this industry, when I talk to them and ask them the question, said, oh, I bought a property. And, you know, I had a couple of properties and I started out and then somebody else asked me to manage theirs and here I am. But tell us your story. All right, where to start? Actually, the story for Hostfully begins in the conference room of another company called Service Source, where I worked, and I really loved that team. It was a small publicly traded company. We were making recurring revenue management solutions for big companies like Dell and VMware and Salesforce. And I remember looking around the room at all these smart people and thinking, I think if the culture was better you could just have a better company. You could do better for customers. You could do better for employees. People would be working instead of like at their kind of 50% capacity, they could be at like 80 or 85% capacity. And I want to be part of that culture. I want to be in a company where that happens. So I actually didn't have aspirations to be a CEO or to be a founder, but I went on a, a little bit of a spiritual journey. I actually quit that job. I, I was promoted to head of marketing after having my second kid and I did the job for a little while. And then I was like, I just don't want to do this job anymore. I don't know what's in it for me in the future, but I don't want to keep going down this career path. So I, I quit, which I'd never done in my life. Like I worked since I was 14, every time, every chance I worked, I was like nanny. I was a barista in a coffee shop. I, I worked in a bakery. I, I was a research assistant in college. I helped someone with disabilities like uh, in Boston over a summer. I like, I, I worked basically as a call center person in a medical assistant off, like as a medical assistant uh, in a pediatrician's office. I did like lots of random jobs, but I was like, I want to create, you know, I'm not going into politics, so I'm not going to change the world that way. I'm not going to like non nonprofit. I'm not going to go build houses for Habitat for Humanity, but I really want to do something good for the world. And I think it's going to be in business because I had this kind of nice career up until then. 
So I was like, I want to create something that has an amazing culture where people just love the jobs that they do. And then I was like, so what industry should I be in? And I thought education, travel, and healthcare. So I started pursuing ideas in those spaces and trying not to get distracted with like the, I remember one idea I had was like an app that would like automatically stock, stock your fridge with Amazon items. And I was like, well, I don't, okay, that might happen, but I don't really want to do that one. So I, I just sort of nosed, like nosed around in a bunch of ideas. I met a couple other people. I was actually CEO of an education startup for like, a month. And then it was all about using iPads with kids. And I was like, I don't want my kids to be using iPads more <laughs> than they already do. Um, and then I know I was like, no, no, this is not it. And then I met my co-founder, David, and he was working on an idea around the guest experience for his short-term rental. And I thought it was a terrible idea because his idea was to make money by selling like affiliate revenue by basically selling like coupons to restaurants. And I was like, that just seems like a really mm-hmm. low margin business, very difficult, but David seems like a really good guy. And our kids went to school together and uh, he was like, come to this Airbnb open thing. We'll see if this idea works. So, so we just started exploring from there. And, and as David and I grew together as co-founders, we really share a lot of ideas, especially around culture. He's also a dad, very involved with his kids, and he really wants to create a, a great cultured company. But I think at some point I realized that I, I kind of had to be like, the leader, not maybe the sole leader, but I had to be the leader of the company in order to shape the culture in the way that I wanted to. And that means inclusivity, finding new ways for women to move through the passage to motherhood uh, more easily with pre-maternity leave, maternity leave, coming back in a flexible way, uh, but also looking at things. How do we make sure that every single person at the company loves what they do? Just like they are just happy, right? They're in their flow state when they're doing onboarding, when they're doing customer support, when they're doing engineering. So we do a ton of personality assessment stuff before we take people on and and just make sure, and and also check in with people. And if it's not a good fit, we help them find their next gig. So it's just honestly a dream to be here. And it, but it all comes from culture, not vacation rentals, but I love vacation <laughs> rentals. <laughs> so, well, that is, is the best, isn't product. it? When you're, when you're tying in passions which are very different, yeah. different passions. I love that story of, you know, doing so many different jobs along the way. You must have drawn things from some of those jobs that you bring to where you are now. Are there any, any of those that, that come to mind? Well, I think the first thing is just a lot of empathy for any work that anybody is doing. It doesn't matter whether somebody's taking out the trash or whether they are, you know, doing the financials for your business, like they deserve the same amount of respect as everybody else. And, and I can say that because like, I've been in a lot of those jobs and I noticed who was kinder to me or than others. And I learned a lot in every single one of those jobs, by the way, there's no like one job that's better than any other job. So I think the biggest thing that I took away that benefits me as a CEO is just knowing that you don't know anyone's life. They're living it and they have this contract of work with you, which is to do a job, but like, don't make other assumptions about what their life situation is, where they came from, what they're capable of, because it might be totally different than what they're doing right now. But yeah, just working hard. I also just love to work. Maybe that's sickness. I don't know. I love working. Tell us about a day in the life then of uh, hostfully for your staff, because I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, how this culture is reflected mm-hmm. in how people go through their day. Yeah. Well, so we have a lot of culture on coaching, which actually it took me to somebody else outside the company pointed this out to me and I didn't really understand it. But we don't do a ton of meetings. We have like a pretty small window of a meeting time in the in the morning. And then there's a lot of individual coaching that's going on for any function. So one of the things that's the most important for any new employee at the company is that we have a very, very robust onboarding program that lasts about like two to three. And they meet with 15 people at the company, including all the co-founders. And then I have regular meetings with everybody on the team uh, twice a year. But I think that like there's a really healthy balance of not jumping straight into the work. So there's a lot of like, In the beginning of a meeting, you're going to find people joking around with each other, you know, talking about a recent trip that they were on or congratulating somebody on a new baby or asking how they are if they were in the hospital. Like there's a lot of team building that goes on that's integrated with the work. And I think that's really important. And yeah, we have really funny things that pop up. And I think one of the things I I love uh, about the culture is that it's pretty flexible. So for example, 
during the World Cup, we had people from Argentina and France on our team. And so there was a channel called World Cup Trash Talk. And it was like most of the company was in there and people were just ragging on each other and having tons of fun. And I loved that it was just an organic thing that popped up. We have another really um, active channel called Into Trader Joe's or Best of Trader Joe's. And it's like (laughs) all the great things you can buy at Trader Joe's, which is like a supermarket. (laughs) I mean, it's just, but you got to like, just go with it when creative things pop up, you know, like I think making more space to build those relationships and coach people is, is great. And, and then it also allows for um, people to transition. So like if they don't love the work that they're doing, it's okay. And we can find something else for them to do at the company or, or not. Right. Or, and we try to be very gracious about departures, which is something a lot of businesses don't do very well. I think they kind of like cut you off and then you're out. And at this company, we talk about it in advance. We, we send out a message. We allow people to say goodbye. We tell people to stay in touch. They do. We've had people come back into other roles. So I'm, I'm really proud of all those things. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, my, my experiences go back into a time when, you know, it, it was it was much more of the traditional workplace. And I, I worked for, I was a training officer at Reader's Digest in London and then in out in the country for a number of years. And I remember the time that, you know, I'd, I'd sort of reached the end of what I could do in that role. And I wanted to go out on my own and do the entrepreneurial thing. And I, I have never forgotten the day I, I walked into my manager's office and I gave her you know, my letter of resignation and her face just changed. I became the, the one who had... Defected, right? Yes, or, or yes. No. And yes, she, just, she just closed up and mm-hmm. my two weeks of working out my notice were horrendous because mm-hmm. she would not talk to me. And and then, interestingly enough, I went on to build a training company that she then sent her staff to. (laughs) So that's crazy. So I I, I built a customer service training course and then she was putting her staff through this this course. And I was actually going back into the company to do the training, which was which was interesting. I said, says, you know, a lot about her actually rather than the company itself but it was a bit more of you know it was a, it was a cultural thing when when somebody says they don't want to work there anymore then uh, you know you don't want to talk to them any longer <laughs> i know it, it's so funny that last experience that you have with people it, it like i had the same memories i mean people just get really cold and you feel like you put in so much hard work for this company and these people and then all of a sudden they just shut you out it feels terrible I I totally agree. But one thing I was going to say is that you said, you know, you've had a lot of jobs. The last CEO that I worked with, his name was Chris Carrington at Service Source. And and I I went to him and I said, you know, I just have to leave. It's not the company. I love this job. I love the people. It's just me. I need to do something different. And he said, well, is there anything I didn't do to change your mind? And then I said, no. And he said, well, my door is always open. And I was like, that was huge. It was like a huge moment. And that's the framing really that every leader should have when someone decides to leave, because you can't think about it like we're in these closed networks anymore. I mean, we're all connected with each other. So, and and also why not be gracious about it? Just, it's easier. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's that, it's that graciousness. Yeah. In terms of, you know, your role right now, you, you mentor, you support women who come to work hostfully, and I'm sure you do it for the men as well, but we're sort of focusing on the women at the moment. So I've heard you talk about that, that commitment. So in terms of being a mentor and a coach, how rewarding is this for you? What benefits do you actually get from helping people to succeed in their chosen career or to move forward? You know, I don't know if I could quantify what it is. I mean, first of all, I feel great, (laughs) but but I actually, there's nothing that I'm just like this in general, like there's nothing that makes me happier than to see someone who I've been helping succeed. And I, I don't feel like it's a zero sum game. Like I feel like there's just always more And like, there's more, you know, and there's like always just more we can do with each other and for each other. And I I think the human experience is like so filled with these anecdotal memories, which have to do with like emotion and 
people connection and stuff. And we just don't know how we're going to influence anybody else at any time. You know, maybe somebody's having a great day and you can just give them a little, little tip that puts them over the top and makes, makes them feel amazing about themselves. Maybe they're having a hard day and and you're the one who's going to give them a little bit of a lift. That can be so meaningful. And I hope, and I know actually, some of my most proud moments actually at Hostfully are when women on the team have disagreed with me in public. And I think this is something that women just need to learn how to do better. The first time it was actually a woman who said like, do not do a merger with Orbi Rental. This, you know, the, our PMS, this was early days in the company. And I was awesome. I'm so glad you're telling me this. Like, tell me more. What do you think? And now it's things like, whatever, we always have stuff that we disagree on, right? I don't, I don't have any specific examples right now, but I, I think it's really healthy to, to have those disagreements and show people that even when they happen, it, it, there's no like damage to the relationship. So what do I get out of it? I mean, I just get to live an easier life. It's just mm-hmm. easier, everything. Well, you're, yeah. you're also a mom of three. You have several other interests outside of, of work and hostfully. Mm-hmm. How do you balance all that? Because, you know, being a CEO, I was there for 20 years, is not an easy task. I'm sure you sometimes go to bed thinking of it and you wake up in the morning and it's the first thing you think about. How do you balance all that with all your other personal responsibilities that you have out there? And I know it sounds a little trite talking about work-life balance because we tend to look at it in a different way now. But what advice can you offer to others who are seeking that similar sort of balance? Yeah, well, it's really about your team. So I don't think about my life in isolation. It's about me, my husband working together with parenting. It's about, we have a wonderful nanny named Leticia and we're transitioning to a new person actually soon named Sophia. These are very integral parts of our team, our family team. And we really treat everyone as a a leader in, in the whole picture. But same thing with the company, like when it I've got all these other interests. I've got an acapella group that I'm in. I've got VC backed moms that I'm like a co-founder of this community of, of women who are running companies and it's all just team, 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 team. So I think the better teammate you can be, which means you need to be optimistic. You need to be resilient. You need to communicate well, you need to have patience and empathy. You need to listen. The more you can do that, the more people are going to want to work with you. And then the more you can do yourself. So I am able to do all these crazy things, but it's mainly because I have an amazing team with me that are also enjoying what they're doing too. So uh, do you believe that these things are, you were born like this? Or have you learnt all these skills along the way? Basically asking, you know, can anybody do this? Or, <laughs> or yeah. you know, do you have think- to be that extra special person that has all these qualities? No, you know, oh man, I... So we were talking before the interview about how I was like a bit of a philanderer for a long time in my life. So I think it really took me out some time to hit my stride um, and just understand who I am and, and what I'm capable of. I, I was not very happy in my 20s. I, I did a lot of adventurous things, explored a lot of new things, but I, I definitely like a leader at all. I was just kind of there. I think that there's there's a couple things that are so important. First of all is just mental health. So I, I say this with a lot of compassion. My family has many suicides in it, unfortunately. My great-grandmother committed suicide and it left indelible marks in generations. Mm-hmm. And so having the awareness of my own mental health, making sure that I'm taking care of myself, that's like the base. That's the most important thing you can do, which includes sleeping, exercising, and just mental health. If you're not doing well, you got to like raise the flag and tell people about it. So, you know, I had a little bout of postpartum depression after my third kid. A lot of it had to do with sleep. I had had enough life experience and gone to therapy that I was like, whoa, I'm not okay. Like I need to make a shift. So I think my advice to people is like, make sure that you take really good care of your own mental health and address those issues that are coming up for you on a recurring basis, if you are going to sleep or waking up in the morning, worrying about things or thinking about things that is, that's not the most positive, that's the place to start. So does everyone want this kind of life? No. And that's totally fine. But does everyone want want to live a life where they feel whole, they feel satisfied and they feel appreciated and they feel seen? Like those are things that actually managing your own mental health can help you with. So I think the work actually is pretty internal on that, on that one. Yeah. Let's, let's talk tech for a moment. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of women in tech, but nowhere near enough. I was talking to Amy Hino the other day about the attendance at the Darm conference, and she was saying it is um, 75 to 80% male 
attendees. I know. And I'm like one Dom. of the very few female. I'm one of the very few female speakers too. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> she's like, "What can you do?" And I was like, "Well, I'm only one. <laughs> It'd be nice if there were more women there." <laughs> So, so uh, what about these? Um, I mean, we're going to come on uh, along in a second and talk about imposter syndrome because I think it's it's all very tied in together for mm-hmm. for those, particularly those you know women upcoming in the industry who are trying to break into tech roles. But it is a very mm-hmm. male dominated space, so there's challenges. There's also opportunities. Can you? just share a bit of of your knowledge on that in, in you know in terms of those women that you have working at hostfully in those roles like in, in just in tech and, get, and getting yeah. started with yeah so first of all i mean maybe you're talking to the wrong person I, my first trophy was a math tournament trophy so i'm like just very comfortable with numbers um that's it's kind of my heritage but I do think that there's the fake it till you make it, which you just said to me about your mother, and I hope that the listeners can hear that <laughs> story, um, is totally true. I mean, you talk to like women and men, and they just feel totally differently about their ability to figure it out when they get there. And I actually think the women we've hired at Hostly are not, they, they, don't, they don't suffer from any sort of self-confidence issue. Like we've hired them because they already have that. So maybe it's even before the interview process. It's just about your own thoughts around like what you can be doing for your career and yourself. But why is the attendance so poor at Darm, you know, for women? I don't know. I mean, we're doing, you know, the, the stuff that you need to know for vacation rentals, the, it's not calculus. It's basic math and looking at patterns and understanding what your key metrics are and why they're important and then just tracking them over time. And that kind of, that's the kind of stuff that anybody can do. It doesn't matter. In fact, you, younger people could do it. Older people could do it. People who don't speak English can do it. People who, whatever, it doesn't really matter. So I, I think... There's just, I don't know, maybe there's just like fear or worry about, you know, that black and white version of success when it comes to data. I don't know. Well, that, that, that's what I'm wondering. You know, it's this, I'm, I'm sure there are many very, very competent people, but they they have that fear. They have that self-doubt mm-hmm. that creeps in that says, you know, this is a very male dominated space in this industry. Mm-hmm. I feel that I am competent to do it, but how do I make that step in there and show that competence? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I do think it's helpful to have a couple examples of other people, like when you went in the fake until you make it strategy. And sometimes I don't do this anymore, but earlier in my career, I would actually think of what my husband would do. We were basically educated the same. He's got a computer science degree. We went to business school together. And I would be like, what would my husband do? What would he say in this moment? And I, I might actually just like sort of copy him because um, I, I didn't have an example, but I think now there are more and more women involved. And in, in, uh, so even though there's 80% men, there are 20% women. So if you mm-hmm. want to like get into the field, go and hang out with the 20% women, watch them. What are they doing? Listen to Julie Brink and the CEO of beyond listen to Amy Hino, right? Look, look at, go talk to them, build relationships with these people. And you can pretend to copy them sometimes. And that's okay. You know, you don't need to be correct all the time, but I think you got to really go out and find those voices. And as a CEO of a software company, I've done that too. Um, I spend a lot of time listening and reading about other women who are leading companies to try and figure out what my style is. So it's not zero, but it's not enough. I, I, <laughs> it's, I still I still do this. I still look at, you know, women who are CEOs of some of the biggest companies and mm-hmm. study them and look at, you know, what are they doing? How do they how do they carry themselves? What are they like in in meetings? You can actually, you can go online, you can study these women. Mm-hmm. I always remember years and years ago, I was training as a psychotherapist and I was learning about a woman called Virginia Satir who did a lot of family therapy way back in probably the 50s, 60s, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she was talking you know not not so much about fake it and until you make it but about modeling looking at what mm-hmm. other families do and modeling behavior where where that behavior is working then try that behavior yourself and and it's a very mm-hmm. simple concept the whole concept yes. of of looking at somebody who's doing something great that you feel that you could emulate and then modeling that behavior mm-hmm. And that's something from that training that I never lost. And it's all Mm -hmm. out there now. It's you you can follow virtually anybody. Watch the 
TED Talks, I think, are the, one of the best things. You know, watch mm-hmm. these people doing a TED Talk and emulate that. Yes, that and the resourcing question is also really important. Like, I think that sometimes you can see the TED Talk and then you don't understand that there's like a lot of people behind the scenes helping mm-hmm. to support this whatever person process, you know, image and just taking it all with a grain of salt. Because sometimes the media does a bad job at creating these fictitious CEOs who always are wearing clothes and their body's perfect. And they somehow like have, you know, children without looking fat. And <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, like how, how do you like, how, like that, that doesn't exist. So you kind of have to like take it also with a grain of salt and, and remember that the media likes to build people up and take them down, which happens to a lot of female CEOs. So there's this like, you go up to the top of the mountain and then you fall off hard all the way down to the bottom. And one of the things that a lot of female CEOs that I hang out with talk about is like the, the, the takedown article, which like inevitably comes after the media props up any CEO. There's always like a, you know, a takedown article, which is way more harsh than would be, would be written about any man. Yes. Um, so I think you just have to sort of just take it all in with stride. Yeah. What, what comes to yeah. mind with you saying that is, is something I saw on LinkedIn the other day and it was um, about a woman, can't remember who it was, but leaving a company. And the headline wasn't, you know, she leaves after 15 years of amazing accomplishments. Mm-hmm. It was a, a takedown. It was a real takedown, yeah. which took away all those years of accomplishments and just wiped it out in a moment. Yeah, exactly. And those articles are not written about men. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what, what's going on there, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're joining me on a panel of industry leaders at the Women's Summit to talk about imposter syndrome. Yes. So I wanted to ask, you know, how has self-doubt, it doesn't, when I'm talking to you now, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I, I'll be interested to see your stories because I can't imagine you having self-doubt but I think it impacts everybody, but how has it impacted you in your career? And, and I think the most important thing is what do you do to combat these feelings? Cause so many people have them. Mm-hmm. So this is where I think age and experience helps because for a long time, I felt like, I don't know what I'm doing and it's my first time and I'm new to this and who am I to be the one raising this money, hiring this employee, building this product, building this company. And I I still feel like that actually, even every day. Sometimes I'm like, really? I'm still the CEO. I'm I'm doing this. We have a big team now. Like, really? And the people around are like, yeah, this is great. I'm like, okay, well, they seem okay with it. (laughs) But no, I think the imposter syndrome never goes away. It, 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 it's, it's actually a very healthy thing to have imposter syndrome because you're always questioning how much better you could be and whether you're making the right choices. And that's really healthy. If we ever get into a, a headspace where we're not questioning those things, then we're delusional or narcissistic, egotistical, whatever. Those things are, that's not helpful mm-hmm. whenever you're trying to work with anybody else. So I think imposter syndrome is actually not a terrible thing. I think you balance imposter syndrome with this sense of being really present in the moment and maintaining a really healthy sense of focus and trusting that you will be making the right decision when it happens. So there's been many times in, in the course of Hostfully where we've been thinking about something that's going to happen in the future. And I think, oh my gosh, like how am I ever going to navigate through that? Even like a financing round. I've never done that before. It's a lot of money, right? There's, I've got to review legal documents of which I have no context. I, I have to talk to different investors and references and all these things, due due diligence materials. I've never done any of that before. But I guess at some point in the last couple of years, actually, probably since I was like 42, 41, I've just been like, well, I made it this far and it's gone pretty well. So I think I should just stop worrying about it so much and just try to take it every day at a time. And so I don't plan out very much ahead except for vacations, because you have to do that. But um, I, I'm always like, you know, I'll just meet, I'll meet the challenges when they arise, and I will handle them like I've always handled them, and my life has gone pretty well so far. So I think it will go okay, even if I make some mistakes. <laughs> I, th- I think that that is great for people to think about, is, is to say, well, I've made it to here. I must have done yeah. something right to get it here. And, <laughs> exactly. you know, if, if they haven't found out yet... <laughs> 
<laughs> then it's, mm -hmm. it's unlikely that I'm going to be found out now to to not be competent or or not have enough knowledge or thinking that they're that they're not just not qualified to be in that position. Yeah. Well, if they've made it, if you've made it that far, it goes back to you're qualified. Yeah, it yeah. goes it goes back to my mom and and her getting a job as an office manager as her very first job when she was in yeah. her 30s never worked in her life before but she said well you know i've i've managed my home and my husband's been away on deployment for months at a time and i've i've worked with all the plumbers and the maintenance people who've come through the home and i've booked things and yeah i'm mm -hmm. competent I, yeah. I I wish she was still around, actually, so I could ask her that question and say, you know, did you ever ever suffer self doubt? But you know, from from the times I remember talking about her, and she just simply said, "If I trust myself that I can do it, then I can do it. And if it doesn't work, yeah. then I'll go do something else." Exactly. Well, I think also I I would be curious to know how much she asked questions like was I mean first of all it's good to have a tendency to want to know the root cause of something like it, okay you need to distribute these files to these people this time why right <laughs> so like I'm curious about the why culture in the company that she joined like whether there was there were people there who would help to answer those questions or whether she was just a person that wanted to ask it herself and like figure it out herself but those are the I think those things can make it easier or harder. Cause if you go into a place where like no one wants you to know why, or like no one wants to help you with answering those questions, then it's harder. So that's why I think I'm, I'm a little bit of an oversharer, right? Because I'm trying to open it up to say, it's okay to ask why it's okay to, to ask quote unquote dumb questions. There, there really are no dumb questions. If there, if you're asking a quote unquote dumb questions, it means that the organization has not given you the training or support that you need. So yeah, I, I would be curious about that too with your mom though. I, I wish I'd worked for you. I would have loved to have come to work for you, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those, for those women, and there are a lot listening to this show who don't have their own companies, they're working at companies. Mm -hmm. What advice do you offer them if they're aspiring to leadership positions, mm -hmm. particularly perhaps in revenue management? Mm -hmm. So first of all, be the why person understand why the company exists, what's going to make that company successful. You know, what is the, the, the urgent goal? And then what is the strategy, the long-term strategy and line up your work with the company. I remember figuring this out early days, like just do a good job, right? Like do the job that you need to do to help the company. The second thing I would say is make sure that you're in an environment that is going to support you. And if there's anything wonky about it, move on. <laughs> that's kind of terrible advice but like uh i i did have that experience once where i was like there's just something weird going on ended up being like the head of my department was having an affair with somebody else and there was just like a lot of distraction and so i was doing a good job but there was just too much like drama and stuff around me and it so it kind of clouded what the yeah. whole department was doing and i left and i'm really happy i left actually something kind of deep inside was like mm, this isn't good like i gotta get out of here so like set your own boundaries about what you want to tolerate and do a really good job that's like baseline and then this the third thing is once you've figured out the why and the purpose of the company align yourselves with the people that are also doing that so like find the men find i've done a thing uh, in another company where i i basically found the person that was really pursuing the strategy and was making the most impact. And I said, I want to work for you. I want to transition out of the department I'm in and I want to move, move into your department. And it took time, took like about six months, but I managed to do it. And that really helped to catapult my career. Those are some really practical things you can do. But yeah, I'm just honestly, I, I'm also kind of a, an intense learner. Like I just, I will fill up my brain with other things. So I have a lot going on that's quite stressful right now with just work and life and it's a lot. So yesterday I, or a couple of days ago, I was like, and I'm going to learn Spanish on Duolingo because <laughs> I need something that's just kind of like learning and keeping my mind busy, but not goal oriented. And I actually have done this in other times of my life at Hostfully where I do, like I took like an adult tumbling class, like a gymnastics tumbling class. I'm really bad and it's great. Um, and I just... I, it just fills my mind so that I'm not spinning out about the things that I can't control because I, I, I think that's when stress happens when you're like, you're feeling imposter syndrome, you're feeling like you can't control something, it, you know, it's feeling out of control. So it, it, like if you're a, a data geek, which is probably the people who are thinking about 
Dharm and attending the conference. Find other things to fill your mind so you're not obsessing about stuff that you can't make an impact in. <laughs> That's my tip. I am showing this. I'm showing a book to Margot. I don't, can you see it? Oh, yes. You're, you're doing it? I'm 173 days into Duolingo. Spanish. You, so I'm, you, oh, my gosh. 173 days ahead of you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, I just started a couple. I was in Mexico. Oh, yes. Do it and come come next year at the conference. We'll do a talk in Spanish together. Oh, that whole year we can do this now. That 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 is. I know that's accountability. (laughs) (laughs) I want to try to do a little bit of it in Spanish. I mean, my Spanish is okay. I understand some. But speaking is really poor, so I just need to work on it. Well, people keep saying to me, "Why?" yeah. Yeah. Why, why Spanish? Yeah. Are, are they, yeah. They asking you. <laughs> well, they're asking me. So why, why, you know, you're, you're a Canadian. Why aren't you learning French? Because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> I have no desire to go to, go to uh, Quebec. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do want to buy a house in Costa Rica at some point, some point. There you go. Turning around to check that my husband's not listening to that. But I thought <laughs> that, that uh, learning Spanish, yes. So, so yes, but I, I'm, I'm very much along that same wavelength of you know just mm-hmm. keeping that learning going whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's a language or or whether it's new yoga moves or or something exactly. you know i i have this thing about i want really i i love pottery at school i'd love mm-hmm. to really learn how to throw a pot and sit and and mm-hmm. do that whole thing with wet clay but yes if you've got a passion out there or or something you're interested in it is really really super helpful to go out and do something different that's outside of everything else that you do right yes and do it in a non-goal-oriented way too (laughs) like in a way where you're just like you know I mean I'll just try this a little bit sometimes it can develop into something and sometimes it doesn't need to and that's okay I, I was also doing a flying trapeze class for a while and um, I met this other guy in the class and he's like, so what move are you working on? And I was like, honestly, I'm just kind of having fun with it. I have enough goals in my daily life. I don't need to add more goals. And he was like, and then we were chatting and it turned out he was a co-founder of his company. And he's like, I totally get it. You know, it's the same thing. He's like, I need to take the goals out of this because it's not healthy. I was like, yeah, just just be chill about it a little bit. It's okay. So, yeah. Margo, you're, uh, you're so in, you are really inspiring, but I want to know who inspires you. And why? Oh, who inspires me? You know, children inspire me a lot. I love my own children, but all, just children in general. Like I, I find so much inspiration from watching children navigate the world, this world that they're just seeing for the first time and finding ways to like brilliantly cope with whatever <laughs> challenges are happening. I don't think I could ever be a teacher, but I really love being around kids. So that's very inspiring for me. I'm inspired by all the women's rights people ever of all time, whether it's like Jane Addams, you know, like finding ways to serve the poor to like, you know, Rosa Parks and, and um, women throughout history who've done amazing things uh, to change the way people think about women. Yeah. I'm not a big book person, like business book person. I read a lot of like fiction and biology books. I don't really obsess over like, current business leaders or follow people like that as much I, I'm more I like more of like an inner life I think around that but yeah I'm really inspired by like artists and children I love I love that <laughs> being inspired by children I must look at my granddaughters in a different way <laughs> yeah and it's just you know it's, it's a, oh my gosh well if your granddaughter's 12 I have a 12 year old too it's like a dog eat dog world in <laughs> middle school you know so like I watch the kids and I'm like wow if you are able to make it through this you're going to do be able to do anything I think it's it's really intense for them. And I maybe I, I have an, a memory like an elephant. Like I remember so much of my own childhood. So I have this kind of flashing back and forth thing that happens when I'm around kids. And it's kind of healthy. So, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with me. I want you to just tell us a little bit about Hostfully before you depart. Um, <laughs> sure. Because I think that's really important. I'm, I'm, I'm sure yeah. most people listening have heard of Hostfully, but they'd like to hear just a little bit more about you know, what the company's doing and where it's heading. Yeah. So Hostfully is a property management software company. We have two products. We have our property management platform, which is like what you would probably think of as a traditional PMS. It includes a way to get reservations across all the different booking platforms. We are a preferred partner of Airbnb, booking.com and Verbo. And uh, we also offer a beautiful direct bookings website. And then you can also hook up with a channel manager to reach more 
platforms. We also have a centralized calendar where you can see all of your reservations in one place. We have um, a, a great dashboard and pipeline. I was just on a call. We're, we're making some really big revisions to that over the next couple quarters. And we have a unified inbox where you can see all your guest messages. You can have automated responses to make it just easier for you to get through the day-to-day -day and be able to respond to guests either in an automated way or in a personalized way, depending on what the needs are of that guest. And then we use we also help to process payments um, with using Stripe or vacation rent payment or um, PayPal. And then we also have a digital guidebook platform, and that's actually the original heritage of the company um, that helps. It's a mobile responsive website that helps you give your guests uh, property information and and local recommendations. And our our vision for Hostfully is we want to be the most like powerful platform um, and most easy to use platform for pro short-term property managers everywhere. Right now, our, our strengths lie in this platform nature of our product. So Hostfully is one of just a handful of companies that you, you can use to connect to almost any other software company in the industry, whether it's dynamic pricing or, or insurance. Um, and I love actually just getting back to like, you know, where your heart is with the company. Like one of the big missions that I also wanted with Hostfully was to have a product where I could it almost like people can touch and feel it. And also they can integrate it into their daily life for it to make an impact. And, and we're doing that for our customers, which is really, really wonderful. Um, but I love that our customers can, can flexibly choose what options they want. So they're not locked into one way of doing their direct bookings, one way of doing their payment processing. They can choose from a variety of different ways to, um, to, to service their business and their unique needs. And that's the power of this industry is that our customers, property managers, short-term property managers are in region and they are closely connected with their customers, their cleaning staff, their um, owners. And the needs of those businesses are all different because the regions are all different. Whether your, your inventory is all spread out in different geographies or whether it's in one building, those businesses have totally different needs, whether it's on a beach town or a mountain town, those different needs. So I love that Hostfully is a platform product so that we can adjust the the makeup of your tech stack to sort of suit those different businesses. So that's that's something I'm really excited about. And we're in a unique position to be a leader on that. And uh, we're just really excited to keep going. Well, you know, if I, if, I, if I look back to the amount of times I've interviewed David over the years, you know, you, you've been around in, in this space for so long and such an established company. And I really wish you well for, for the future. And of course, you know, as, you. as we say, you know, if, if you're in this business at all and you want to be successful, you've got to have the two. You've got to have a, um, a property management system. You've got to have a digital guidebook. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That digital guidebook is is 100% necessary for every single operator these days. So I'm glad you've got that. Mm -hmm. Margot, it's been a, a real pleasure. Can't wait to uh, to meet up with you in a, in a few days at the Vacation Red for Women's Summit to talk about imposter syndrome on the, on the panel and all sorts of other things. I just want to thank you so much for joining me. Been a long time coming. It's been absolutely worthwhile, worth the wait. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Margot, for joining me and, you know, for talking about things that are not as vacation, you know, specifically vacation rental related as, as we normally discuss on this show. It was uh, really, really interesting. And I love this culture, uh, hostfully, if you're out there thinking of, a job, you know, maybe this is a place to be uh, aiming for. It sounds a great place to work in and Margot sounds a great person to work for. So uh, I'll leave that one with you. I will put all the details of Hostfully on the show notes and also the information on the Vacation Rental Women's Summit, which I know is only a few days away, but there's still room available if you're just deciding that, hey, I've need to have somewhere to go next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. This is going to be a fabulous event. And, and I think I will bite the bullet, buy my air tickets and book a hotel room and go. So, and then of course, there is the Darm conference on Wednesday and Thursday as well. If you're listening to this after the Vacation Rental Women's Summit has taken place and you want to go to the VRWS website, Within about you know, three or four weeks of the of the event, the recordings of 
the majority of the sessions will be uploaded. So you can purchase those and then at your leisure, go through all the sessions, which are just super, super interesting. I mean, you can go check them out at um, Vacation Rental Women's Summit, the website, and you can see the schedule of events. So even if you can't go, you can check out what you might be able to catch up on at a later date. Just a reminder to listen to The Tipping Point, our Monday episode. It's a short episode, around seven to ten minutes. It's just focused on a single topic and gives some actionable information. So you can listen to it, you can follow that topic and go away with some things that you can do the moment you've stopped listening. So I encourage you to go over to vacationrentalformula.com, go to podcasts, have a look at some of the most recent episodes we've done. They are really interesting. And we are bringing on guests as well to talk about their superpowers and and ask them to share some of their best knowledge with you. So that's it for another week. Always so enjoyable to be with you and to bring you more interviews and episodes that are going to make your day. Please leave us a review if you have enjoyed this. I'm just like you wanting your five-star reviews for your property. I want exactly the same for the podcast. So if you have some time and you can go to your platform of choice that you listen to your podcasts on and leave us a, a really good review, I would really love that. I thank you so much. And it it helps me to appreciate how many people actually listen to the show. So have a great day and I will see you again next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. Don't forget to check out our incredible sales bundles and get started on your path to vacation rental success today. Click the link in the description of this episode for more information. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.